Hello, dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Mother Natalia. Hello, listeners. Thank you for tuning in to What God Is Not. Today's episode is Father Michael's, and he talks about the objective of fasting and its participation in paradise, how fasting um, helps us to participate in paradise. We talked quite a bit about the recognition of God as the giver of our gifts and the importance of good discernment in stewardship of those gifts. There are multiple interruptions in this podcast from Father Michael's new pet, <laughs> so you will find out all about uh, and currently the named to said pet Penelope. <laughs> <laughs> and um, lastly, I at the end I got all confused at the end of the podcast, and I forgot to tell Father Michael and all of you that I love you, and so I'm really sorry, and I love you. And if you're a banter hater, do you want to say it too, Father Michael? You're not I love even, you. Oh, great. Um, if you're a banter <laughs> hater, skip ahead. I love y'all. Nine minutes. And you. And 19 seconds. <laughs> Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to him forever. You didn't even wait the five seconds. Uh, as I told you before, I am. my mind is is not where it's supposed to be. It's not, it's not ordered right now. I don't think you said that. I said it when we were talking. You, said, you asked me how I was doing. And I said I was just... It's been like the most stressful few days. Oh, I didn't actually ask how you were doing. I just I said be. LA was very loud and you were like, I know, and this has been the craziest three days. You <laughs> just went into it. I'll bet I you would I have did. asked. I bet you, you did. I did it. <laughs> um, Fine, I'll believe you. This is really awkward. I guess I could have muted my mic, but now I'm not going to because I started speaking. Uh, I didn't think to open my LaCroix before recording. Just break the fourth wall. Just crack it. Okay. I promise it's a Lacroix because you know you you could you, you could mute the mic while you're while I'm talking. I know that's why I said I could oh. mute the mic, but then I already oh, started I you talking said that you about should how have muted the mic. I should have, but then I already started talking about how this is awkward. <laughs> so I had to explain what was awkward. I, I don't Can like we this just whole. Start over? I don't like this whole that we 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 script our banter stuff. Like I, I sound like I'm just reading it. I know I wrote all Are of this, joking? and I yes. Oh, <laughs> I couldn't tell you were joking. We're really bad at banter. No. I'm really bad so, at banter. So I got a new pet. Yes, I'm so excited. I haven't had a pet since I was. Is it was Georgia 17. or Michaela? We we're gonna <gasps> ask. I, I don't know. I think so. You know? Oh, you brought her. Yes. Hi, she can't hear me because the. Say hi, the, Georgia. Aww. She's licking. She the, uh, cute. I'm so excited to hold her. She's licking the microphone. Yeah. Don't they have? This is a snake, by the way. Uh huh. It's a. Uh, it's a. Ball python. Mm-hmm. And she's pretty big. Um. And did her you name know, right now. It, what go is ahead. her name? Penelope. Ugh. I know. I want to change it to yeah. one of the dragon slayers. The, I had another idea. I had another idea. Huh. You could do. Martha's also a dragon slayer, by the way. You could do some form of Mary because she steps on the head of the serpent. I thought of that as well. Didn't I tell you about the, no. the whole cage underneath the statue thing? No. Oh, okay. So the uh, I have a friend, shout out to Hope Schneer, who, who doesn't like snakes. And she she was against me getting a snake until she said I said well what if I what if I put her cage like under a statue or under an icon of the mother of Penelope's God? like falling down. Oh no, she doesn't like hanging out with me. She she goes, 
she gets she leaves as soon as so possible. So she's not going to hang out for the whole recording. No, uh, she'll, probably hang out, she'll probably hang on my desk. Be careful because did you know snakes poop and pee at the same time? That's why it's like super liquidy. Do you know how often I'm gonna I feed this snake? Once a week. No. That's what you said. No, I didn't. I said twice a month. I thought that was the case. That's oh. not it. It's every two months. Once every two months. Whoa. That yeah. must be a huge rat. So she goes to the bathroom once after that, and that's it. Whoa. So obviously she's drinking water. When but. when we had, uh, when I had my pet snake, Kirchhoff, named after Kirchhoff's laws, uh, my friend Charlie, who I called Charlie Pickle Parker, I don't remember why, um, he also had a pet snake and they would go on play dates. And especially like if one of us, it worked out really well because if one of us was traveling, the other would take the snake. Uh, so anyways, one time Charlie was walking with his snake in his hoodie pocket um, and the snake pooped in his hoodie pocket. Yeah, supposedly that's really that. And when they, when they shed their, when they, um, what do they call it? When they shed. Oh, like molting or whatever? No, that's molting, birds. Yeah, when they shed oh. their skin, they, they, it can smell bad then too. Uh-huh. So I'm keeping her in the office because... I have a guest right now in my house who is deathly afraid of snakes. <laughs> so I have to keep him in the office. Um, but uh, but I don't want the office to smell. So after she eats her once every two months rat, and then when she's, I don't know how, even, how often she sheds. I want to know what she's doing me, right so. now, but I can't because the She's cameras. crawling off the desk and onto crawling? the floor. Crawling, I guess. Slithering. I don't know what you would say. Slithering off the desk. I don't know how she's. Oh, I know what she's, she's doing. She's so going on. She's pretty. The, I can't wait all, to hold her. All I'm seeing is the, is the end of her tail because she's. I don't know. Is it a tail? Does snakes have a tail? I don't know if they have. Um, she's anyway, just they, eating uh, one of Father Nathan's children. Yeah, no. <laughs> that's what my dad said on the, uh, on the family text when I introduced him. We, my, my family had some hilarious responses, but Teresa was my favorite. She just goes, Well, glad, to, glad we got to come see you that one time. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So she's slithering off the, and all, only literally the past like three inch, last three inches of her tail are on the desk right now. So she must be, I, I'm all, she's going out that side, the opposite side of the desk that I can see. So she, I think she's going out of the paper shredder. So if she turns it on, I will run over there and get worried. But <laughs> um, I made the mistake of showing, if she turns it on, uh, <laughs> I made the mistake of showing one of the nuns, the snakes that lived, that used to live by the chapel, like, under the chapel porch walkway. Mm. Um, I thought this was the snake, the the snake. I thought this was the nun who really likes snakes. Uh, and it's the nun who's deathly terrified of snakes. <laughs> and so she basically was scared to go to our chapel for a very long time. <laughs> I was like, ah, I'm the worst. Because <laughs> it was just like, it was this one snake had come out from their little home and it was laying across underneath the bottom of the door. Like there was a gap under the door, so it was just laying across. So mm. you would literally step over it to go into the chapel. And no one was noticing that they were doing this until mm. I saw it. And then I was so excitedly showed one of the nuns and mm. she was excited in a very different way than me. <laughs> Excitable. Well, oh. I just heard a huge Did you hear that? That collapse. was Penelope falling to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing. Are you all right, Penelope? Also, that was a great, that was a great laugh. You just had sort of I'm like a... <laughs> Yeah, a concerned dad laugh. <laughs> you okay, little one? <laughs> um, so her name is Penelope, but I'm thinking of changing it to either a George name or a Michael name. 
Or somebody told me that Martha was a dragon slayer. Hmm. But since, of course, Michael and George are both showing their icons, a version of their icon slaying dragons, I thought that that'd be cool. I so think you should do Mary crushing the head of the serpent. Right, but wait, don't call her Lupe? I could call her Lupe. Or Mary, or Maria, or Miriam, or... We have so many Marys in my family and in the church and everything. It's just a very, very common Catholic name, which is fine. My mom's name is Marie. But Lupe. Yeah. Why not Lupe for Guadalupe. Lupe. That's what I just said, and you shot it down. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't shoot it down. You just implied that that was the only possible name. And I was saying there are pl- and plenty of other names. You could do like Mariella or Mariana or. The Schneers think it should be just George Michael. <laughs> like the singer. Do you know who George Michael is? No. Okay. That was lost on you then. Yeah. Like, like, just combine George and Michael. You know, it's a guy's name. All right, let me go. Let me just see where she is. You Say could, something funny to you. You could audience. call her Dr. Dre. Oh my gosh. I've never had to just talk into the recording when you're not here. Father Michael has literally taken his headphones off. I can say anything about him that I want right now, but only good things are coming to mind. Uh, I hope he comes back soon. I'm very awkward. Um, there's nobody here to help me. Uh, oh, he's back. And Penelope is back with him. Father Michael, you cannot do that to me ever again. She, she went. <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> I wasn't gone that long. It was, it was awful. Do you see how red my face is? I, my did. palms are sweating. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. I can now only I do your... this podcast because there's someone there with me. This is That's why I'm really horrible funny. at giving talks. That's really funny because, like, I, I think anybody would be horrible at that. But like, <laughs> some of us would just see it as a challenge to say like whatever's on our mind and stream of consciousness. But you like well, freaked out. What did you say? It was stream of consciousness, consciousness. <laughs> but uh, but I was freaking out. Back. So that's what I have to listen was. back to see what you said. <laughs> it was basically just my oh my gosh, off. I can't believe he did that. He just left. What am I supposed to do? I don't know what to say. <laughs> that's what it was. <laughs> oh gosh, this is horrible. We should start over at the very beginning of this episode. All right. Just do your topic. No. So my topic, nine minutes and 19 seconds in. All right. Um, I feel like I should glory to Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> glory to him forever. <laughs> um, so I was inspired by, let's see how your memory is. I'm not going to put you on the spot. I was inspired by the reading from Isaiah this morning. And we are, we are recording on Wednesday, March 16th. Oh, I know what um, this was. Um, it was, was the it, it was the remnant, the remnant of Israel that will um, turn back and become more faithful and stuff. It's like it's like the, where we start to turn into the redemption portion of Isaiah. The, there is one there is one verse especially that I wanted to that that made me think of something else I've been thinking about. So I, I wanted to to touch on that. So this is this is Isaiah ten fifteen. Um, I'm, and I'm actually gonna, and this is so incredibly um, inappropriate in some ways. I'm gonna kind of take it out of context. It was verses it would, twelve through twenty. Yes, so I, I'm, I'm doing fifteen. I don't know how I remembered that. Um, do you guys read it out of a Bible? That's probably how you remembered it. I do. Yeah. Okay. Like during my um, cell roll. Oh, okay. So uh, this is Isaiah ten verse fifteen, which is right in the middle, as Mother just mentioned of uh, the reading today, which is Isaiah 10, 12 through 20. Um, so again, the, the context, I, I'm not going to go into too much because it would, it would kind of be distracting, but it, it's, a, it's an interesting, 
interesting time when God is talking um, to someone who has done well. Um, okay, she's going again. So what she did last time, Penelope, for now Penelope, is she, she went down into the trash can and knocked the trash can over. Oh, that's what the noise and was. And now I think she's going on to the, I think she's trying to go down, she's going to the same place, I think she's going to go down the uh, paper shredder because she did not like me picking her up at all. <laughs> I picked her up and she like, Coward, um, away from my hand. Okay, um, okay. Verse fifteen. So the context is is an interesting context, kind of like Jesus telling um, Pontius Pilate and Herod, or uh, implying you would have no power unless it came from God. Mm. You know, you, you know, you he, as he tells Pontius Pilate, you you would not be intimidated. You had no authority unless God gave you that authority. So this this is the um, even even if it's used being used for evil, which is a very interesting concept. Um, in this day and age, but verse 15, shall the ax glorify itself without him who chops with it? Or shall the saw exalt itself without him who saws with it? It is likewise if what should lift a rod or a piece of wood, but it shall not be so with you. For the Lord of hosts will send dishonor against your honor and he will kinder a burning fire against your glory. I'll just stop there. Um, th this is- <laughs> We'll I think just stop is, right before the redemption. <laughs> Well, yeah, I have to. I would have to go quite a bit further to get to the 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 heart of the redemption. So okay. I'm I'm not going to read ten, eleven verses. Okay. Um, the uh, so we we so often, and I think this is a good message for the great fast. We so often, um, not only don't ask for help from our Lord for things that we think we are good at. And therefore, we, we don't acknowledge the true grace or the source of the goodness. We mm -hmm. think it comes from ourselves. Um, this, we're also in our parish right in the middle of a big stewardship push. So this has everything to do with parish stewardship. I might get into that if it comes back up again. Um, but it's also the case that we, we don't discern enough. We don't discern, am I participating in something? Am I doing something? Am I receiving something? Am I acting something? Am I putting my time and energy into something that is actually a gift from God? Mm. And this, I think I've mentioned, have I mentioned on the podcast of my reading of, of Shmemans for the life of the world and kind of the food of Eden and, and a vegan, at least a vegetarian diet, a vegan diet in this mm, case. I don't for remember. The fast. Say it again. Okay. Me neither. So, um, so I, Bishop Kerpernet, in the Eparchy of Passaic last year put out a really cool little um, explainer about why we fast. Um, and in this explainer, he had, it was very simple, which he's very good at. And, but um, I, there was one line that was actually so simple. It was, I kind of dismissed it. And not only that, I gave it to my parish. And then during my homily said, I don't really, this line does not move me. And the, and the reason was is because he said something very simple like, when we, when we fast from meat, when we, in other words, when we're vegan and we even don't participate in, in animal products, we are eating the food of paradise. And I think that that was all he said. When we are vegan, we are eating the food of paradise. Because when you look at, at Genesis, the very beginning before the fall, Adam and Eve are given to eat of every seed bearing tree and plant in the garden. And so the only time we hear of, of animals being killed 
that's of course there was in a, in a sense although this is a big debate as well you know did plants and animals die in the garden of eden there was no death yet but did did plants and animals die you know um god gave them um the skins of animals, which must have meant something died. That did that happen? Did God kill something after the fall when death was brought to the world? Anyway, this, this is an, a very interesting debate I've had with a couple of my parishioners here. But um, but when we when we are given to eat and we receive, we eat only what God gave explicitly to Adam and Eve, and not what He didn't. Um, although the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, of course, was still fruit. But there's something so simple about putting up that buffer to say, I'm only going to eat what is actually given to me. Hmm. That is why we Byzantine Catholics are so insistent upon uh, when we receive the Eucharist, we're, we're doing everything we can to make it obvious to ourselves and others that we are receiving it. Um, so this is why, as I mentioned in previous podcasts, why would the priest will receive the Eucharist from his open hand. Hmm. Because it, instead of like taking it with his fingers and putting it in his mouth, he receives from an open hand to show. Even though he has to, he has to get to receive from his own hand. He has to receive. He has to give the Eucharist to himself because there's nobody of higher church rank to do that. He receives an open hand. It's an assistance upon receiving. So, I was reading um, Alexander Schmemann's for the life of the world, and he kind of blew my mind. I, th I think I did mention this on the on a previous podcast. He kind of did blow my mind, blow my mind because um, he talked about, he just explained further, I think, what Bishop Kurt knew. And Bishop was just saying something so simply. Um, I'm, I'm like, Where's I think Penelope? I'm feeling, I think I'm feeling Penelope, but I'm not, I don't know where she is. Um, she <laughs> then you might be. <laughs> she has her whole office to herself right now. Um, and she's on the other side of it. Do those um, doors but, go all the way to the ground? Yes, they do. Okay. Um, Make sure she doesn't get locked it, out. It, it, it's like a parent with a kid. You you know they're pretty corralled, and I know that she's. But I'm waiting to see or feel her somewhere. Um, <laughs> that, that's probably the terror of people that are afraid of snakes. <laughs> that I'm like sitting here podcasting and all of a sudden. Um, but, Do but, you but, remember that time you fell out of the chair? <laughs> yes, when we wish we had been recording. <laughs> oh, I wish. Oh, I wish so. Oh. Oh, it was the funniest was thing in, I've ever seen. <laughs> I was sitting in the chair and then it was rolling and then I was flying out of the chair within like <laughs> half a second in my haste to sit down and start okay. recording. How did Schmemann blow your mind by saying... Schmemann blew my mind by by talking about this exact point. This is in the very beginning of his books. If anyone wants to read it, Schmemann's For the Life of the World, Alexander Schmemann. Um, but how the freedom and the comfort and the peace and the rest in only receiving, only participating in, only doing what we've been invited to do by God. Now, that of course is so much easier said than done. When any of us are discerning something, that's exactly what we say. I only want to do what God wants me to do. Um, so th there's a, but I think there's something so beautifully simple about doing that, about being vegan during the fast, in other words, because when we're vegan, we are saying we're gonna we're gonna only eat vegetables as Adam and Eve did. We're only gonna eat vegan, and we're gonna do it as a very intense, over the top, but therefore over the top when it comes to freedom, participation in what God has explicitly offered to us. 
and we're not going to grasp. That's who. That's the, my one of my. That's my word of the year for last year, right? We're not going to grasp like Adam and Eve did at something that has not been given to us. We're not going to participate in things that God has not invited us into participating in. And this, um, after I hear, hear from you, I want to talk about how this relates to to stewardship, and then also um, how this relates. I'm going to look at my notes. Um, how this relates to stewardship. Notes. Oh, I'm about writing notes right now once I remember. Oh. Um, how this relates to stewardship <laughs> and something else that I just thought of and then went by mind. So a- any thoughts on this, Mother, about about how Isaiah, well, let me, let me say this, quoting back to Isaiah. Isaiah 15, shall the axe glorify itself without him who chops with it or shall the saw exalt itself without him who saws with it? I do, I do have a thought on that. And... Um, I'd forgotten kind of how it related until you just reread the verse from Isaiah. So that's the Holy Spirit, which relates very much to what I'm going to say. Um, but also, side note, um, I'm very curious where Penelope is right now. Uh, but that wasn't <laughs> actually the side note. Side note to the side I'll note you know is that there is a debate in the monastery. We're split half and half as to whether or not there will be bacon in heaven. Uh, because some of the nuns say no, because... God's not going to kill animals in heaven. And my response is God can make bacon without killing animals because he's God. Uh, Anyways. Um, Yes. So my comment about um, the verse from Isaiah and what you were saying of um, how we tend to not ask God for help in the things that we think that we're already good at. So, You know, I I had a letter from someone recently. There's a seminarian that I write with who um, started writing me because of the podcast or because of Matt Frad. I don't remember. But but he and I became pen pals. And he asked me how I was was experiencing um, giving spiritual direction to people. And, you know, he said that must be very intimidating. And because there's like a gravitas to it, uh, to, to... to know that this person is entrusting their soul to you. And and I was very surprised by my response, but I was like, you know, I'm not intimidated by it at all. And as you know, Father Michael, from all of our spiritual directions for the six years I was at the monastery before giving spiritual direction, I was very intimidated by it. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this because, uh, because whatever. So all of the things. Um, but... The reason I find it now that I'm doing it, the reason I find it not intimidating is because I am acutely aware of my inadequacy. I know that I don't know how to give spiritual direction. I know that um, that I don't have, quote unquote, the right words. I know that I'm awkward. I know all of these things. And so when I'm in direction with someone, I am constantly praying. And, and I'm constantly imploring the Lord for help because I know that I can't do it. And so I think that's why it's not intimidating to me because it would be intimidating if I were relying on myself because then I don't know whether or not I'll succeed. But I have to rely on God for it. And I know that he'll succeed. <laughs> whether or not that success looks like what I think success looks like, I know that he succeeds because he is God. And so... Uh, so there's something about, I know that I don't know what I'm doing and I know that I have to turn to him and that somehow makes it not intimidating. Does that make any sense? Yes, absolutely. Um, Great. 
And that's really beautiful. And it, and it makes me think of a quick question. I saw this something on social media the other day. Do, do women, do most women in your experience... Were you just looking around for Penelope um, to ask her? Yes. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> do... do I keep on thinking I'm hearing something. I probably am. I just I don't know where she is. Um, <laughs> the, uh, do you uh, do do most women uh, dream like, in other words, like a waking dream, or fantasize about like saving millions of people, or saving a baby, or saving the day, being a hero? You know. I don't I know. think so. You don't think so? Okay. I I saw I saw something on social media that was like it was a posted by a woman who said something like I just found out that all men like have these fantasies about doing very heroic things like, you know, saving someone from falling from a building or talking someone out of jumping off a building or or saving a drowning baby and sacrifice themselves like yeah, you're, you're looking like that's my, totally foreign to you. Yeah. Although it's interesting because we've kind of had this conversation at the monastery before because uh, Mother Eliana's brother, I think we were talking with him about it because he was talking about how uh, there was this time that they were at a mass and like a crazy person came in and the thought crossed Mother Eliana's brother's mind that this crazy person might do something dangerous. And he like already had planned out in his mind where he was going to push his sister, where he was going to mm-hmm. jump. Like he had everything yeah. planned out. And and I we was do like, that. yeah, I just, no, that's not my life. Like when, when I- But when I, I, I might be abnormal. I don't know. Well, no, I, I think it's. I think it's part of it is good, and it's part of it is built into us um, to be protectors, to assess the situation, and to kind of prepare uh, for for the worst by kind of being ready by having run through it in our minds, even if it's like kind of in a fantasy. The devil knows that, though. So, I mean, it, it, I think it's all this comes from a, cert, a very cert, special type of masculine pride. You know, we we want to be the heroes because we want to be the heroes, not necessarily because we're 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 saving somebody or you know it's good for them. It's more it's good for us. It's it's the pride. But um, I'm fascinated think, at how this links back to what I was saying about giving spiritual direction. Well, well, because what happened was is I had a dream and I was very proud of myself in this dream. Like this is a sleeping dream. In my dream, I was like fighting somebody and protecting oh, somebody. And I understand doing, what you meant now when you said waking dream. Yeah. So I, like we we'll, we'll sit in class bored. Yes, like daydreaming. And, and Yes, and okay. and be like, what if somebody walked into the classroom right now? I would jump up and I would, I would, you know, incapacitate them and you know save the day. Like, th- th- like we fantasize about those things, like in in a kind of a daydream type thing. No, although um, Mother but- Eliana and I constantly are having weird, um, like daydreams. I guess you could say about being martyred. Okay. Yeah, and I think I think that's probably more holy because like we would just <laughs> men just want to kill the person who wants to martyr them. Okay, I'm <laughs> sorry. Go back to thing. go back to um, your story. So I you had, had this sleeping dream, dream where where I had no weapons and I had to I had to like fight off this guy and save the day, and I do it, and and like I, I'm I'm amazing, like absolutely amazing. <laughs> like, I'm doing all the right things, like I'm just I'm blocking this shot, and you know blocking this shot, and dodging this bull, and elbowing him in the head here, and, and totally incapacitating him in my dream, and then the news comes, right? The news comes and it wants to interview me about this amazing thing I did in saving all these people, um, and somebody says, "Didn't you do MMA?" And I and I was like. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, for like two summers, like for six months total. There, there's no way, there's no way that you know. Twenty years later, my MMA suddenly kicked in after six months of training, and I was able to do what I did. And then they, then they said, you know, well, are you like training secretly on the side? Are you some sort of Jason Bourne or something like this? And I, <laughs> and I just in my dream, I remember saying, like, like, don't you get it, like. I can't do that. Like I can't. Like it is it is it is physically and emotionally and mentally impossible for me to do just do what I just did. Like it was obviously a miracle. Like there there's no there's no explaining. I'm not I'm not going to pretend like oh I've been training all this time or I'm some sort mm-hmm. of GI Joe James Bond Jason Bourne guy. Like I just I literally like God took over my limbs and just like had me do it. And, and I remember like being kind of put off by this interviewer that they would even think that that amazing thing they just witnessed somehow came from my own skill. I was mm-hmm. like, that's impossible. Like you literally just witnessed a miracle and I witnessed a miracle from what I was doing. So mm-hmm. anyway, I, th- I think that relates to that. Like, like when we do, when we're, yeah leading souls were doing a miracle. And if, if anybody thinks, oh my gosh, you're such a good spiritual director or, oh my gosh, you're such a good pastor. Like when we're doing things that are impossible, we're doing things that are impossible. And, and so I think this is exactly what I'm saying. Like, like the, in Isaiah 15 here, it talks about, we need, if we're the ax, we need to acknowledge the hand that wields the ax. The ax mm-hmm. cannot cut down a tree. A saw cannot cut down a tree. You know, and, and what it is is these leaders, whether they're a serious leaders or, or, you know, us today, like these leaders are, are, we are not acknowledging when we do impossible things. And in other words, so therefore we're not seeing miracles when they're right in front of us. Mm. And I I think the the way to train ourselves, and this work is back to Schmemann and and eating vegan, the way to train ourselves is to do things like that, to say, I am going to I am going to tell myself, I'm going to, because they only ate vegan in the garden, I'm going to eat vegan for 40 days. And I'm not going to want to. In this in this day and age, especially with commercials and fast food restaurants, and you go to a restaurant and you have to eat something that's vegan, even though everybody else around you is not. Like, like, like that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's me wanting to grasp and say, I know better than the church. Mm. I, I, I can eat this thing that's attractive to me. And I know better than the church. The church asks me, again, not mandate. I'm not saying that the bishops should even require that we be vegan, but but that is our Byzantine tradition. And I think when when we accept that, just say it is the church's tradition to eat vegan, so I'm going to do it. And and as as guided by the church, um, or, or if you can't eat vegan, just definitely do what the church says. You know, for us Byzantines, at least in the Eparchy of Phoenix, no meat on Wednesday or Fridays. You know, make sure that we're observing that. Again, people always come up with the, with their health issues. Yes, be normal. Like if you have, if you have to eat meat every day, eat meat every day. That's fine. Like be normal. Talk to your pastor. Talk to your spiritual director. You can get you know um, dispensations from that. Um, but but there's something beautiful about the things that we can do the things that we can do and say, I'm only going to do these things because it has been offered to me as a gift, like God offered the fruit of the, of the trees in the garden as a gift. And when, and when we find little ways of doing that, we are training ourselves to say, the thing I'm participating in right now, is this offered to me from God or am I grasping? Right. This is very explicit. As I've said a couple of times, the time I wanted to go out on the 30 to my restaurant that I used to go to and I was sitting in my car and God told me, don't do it. 
Like, don't do it. I th- this not gonna be helpful to you. It may even be a hindrance. And I'm like, ah, oh, Lord, okay, but I'm I'm just gonna go. Like, I <laughs> I, I, I want to go so bad, and I did. Like, and that's why I said that was a sin. So like that that right there is an Adam and Eve style grasping at something that was obviously not offered as a gift. Not only was it not offered, um, but but God told me in a subtle way not to, and I did it anyway. The same thing that happened with the last year during Lent. And you remember the the podcast about Mary's rolling her eyes at me and me me praying part silently when I knew the church wanted me to pray them out loud. Like if when the church asks us to do something, the church is the body of Christ. It is so freeing, so freeing to say, I'm only going to do and receive and act upon what has been explicit. And that takes so much discernment and wisdom for all so many things in our life that to be able to have something that is simple, like what we eat, you know, that we should rejoice in those moments and say, yes, the church guidance on this is, is simple and explicit. Therefore, I'm going to rest in that guidance rather than all the, the very stressful, anxiety-ridden discernment that I have to do about bigger things. Did God want me to do this? I don't know. I may never know, right? That's a very tension-filled thing as I, as I learn what proper discernment is. Things like, what am I going to eat? If the church gives me guidance, I should rejoice in the guidance of the church about mm-hmm. that and other things to say, this simplifies the whole process of understanding that I'm just the act. And, and and God is the one who wields me. So so I'm saying that I'm the one who wields myself, or I'm absolutely not, right? The, the the sculpture does not claim that it's the one that created itself, right? The hand of the sculptor did it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's all there's all these beautiful images that have been used throughout history by the fathers and by modern theologians. But I just think it's a good thing to remember in the time of the fast that sometimes we even though things like fasting can make us sad and can make us anxious. I'm I'm preaching to myself here. We should be rejoicing in this simplicity of the church's guidance and and loving the opportunity um, to rejoice in that freedom without the tension of discernment that is so common in so much more of our life. Yeah, and and part of the freedom comes, I think, even from freeing us. Can you just, you can't see her anywhere. Just Penelope... Penelope's lost. Penelope ran oh, away. Oh, there she is. Um, there she is. She's back by the door. Don't tell Actually, she, she, she may try to go under the door. There is a little tiny bit of a thing. She can't fit, but she may. She can fit her head. Oh, you'd be surprised what snakes can fit through. Uh, right, sorry. Don't tell, don't tell Andrew Whaley. He should not listen to this episode. <laughs> he's going to be like, he just lets that snake Penel- wander? Penelope's been sleeping in his room while he's gone. <laughs> no. Has he? She'll be gone. She really? She'll be gone by the time he gets back. Yeah. Father Michael. Uh... Okay, anyways, the part of the freedom that comes through something as simple as um, as just what we eat. Like I even recommend sometimes for people, yeah, actually I maybe got this from you, Father Michael, I don't remember, but I even recommend for people sometimes that when they're fasting, uh, specifically if they can't fast from meat or dairy or whatever it is, then to take the choice out of the matter, to take the, the, um, the preference out of the matter. So what I used to do, for instance, this is a little, well, I'm sharing this for the good of our listeners, but, uh, like when I was a missionary and we would take people out to lunch, um, I wasn't able to eat vegan. You know, we're often taking people, um, on the streets out to like McDonald's or something like that. And, uh, and it just was, was difficult. So because I couldn't do that, I would just, I would just buy, I would buy for myself for lunch, whatever this other person got. Um, I would just say, yeah. Oh yeah, I'll take the nice. same thing. And, nice. and there's something about the simplicity of even removing our own preference or even our own will to the extent that 
I would often find like, hey, they actually ordered exactly what I want to eat. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, and I had to have the humility to then eat the thing that I was wanting to eat and feel, you know, like there's there's a, a fasting aspect even of that. But the yeah, the freedom absolutely. the freedom that I think comes from the simplicity is... It, it reminds me of the line, uh, my favorite line, God bless you. My favorite line in the divine liturgy is the um, when we say, let us lay aside all earthly cares. And that's, I think, the significance, part of the significance of simplicity in fasting, whether it's removing our choice or preference or whatever you want to call it, or whether it's just like taking out certain things is it gives us one less thing to care about. And it's like, I don't have to spend my time and energy and thought into preparing um, just exactly the kind of thing that I want. It's like, I'll just receive whatever is there. And now the space in my mind is cleared to think about and focus my energies on other things. Amen. So. And I, and I think, that, I think that, that that's the reorientation we need and it's like, like you're in spiritual direction when you give spiritual direction, mother. And when I give spiritual direction, if we, if we don't feel the tension, and this, is, this is, doesn't need to be a, an anxious thing at all, but if we don't feel the tension of I'm doing something miraculous and transcendent here, we're going to start thinking that it's us. Mm-hmm. And if we start thinking that it's us, then, then, then we are going to, lose the tension and therefore lose the feeling of contentment and freedom that comes from simply being obedient. Mm-hmm. Because I think that one of the, pro- the, one of the reasons why we are so, um, why obedience is, is such a misunderstood virtue in our culture. One of, the reasons why, one of the reasons why fasting is such a hard thing for this culture, and again, I'm preaching to myself for both these things, is because we've gotten too prideful. We, we've thought too much of the things that we think we're good at come from us, mm. and, and therefore we've lost the discernment of it. And so anything that, that I do that I don't, I, I don't decide to do goes against my modus operandi, my, my normal way of going about my business of doing what I'm good at. I mean, how many, how many, you know, life coaches and business leaders will, will, will even say, you know, do the things you're good at. And I think that's actually good advice, you know, delegate mm-hmm. everything else. And that is really, really good advice. But, but along with that, it has to be, you're good at this because there, there is a, a sculptor. You're good at this because there is a hand holding that axe. You're good at, you're good at this because someone has given you the ability to, to, do, to do it. And so you, you're, you're not going to thrive unless you acknowledge that. And you're not going to be able to, to be grateful for what you've received. And therefore, you're not going to be capable of receiving even greater gifts that are actually beneficial towards heaven rather than just beneficial towards your own um, you know, hedonistic ends. Yeah. And, and there's something also about how, well, there's two things I want to say. One is that as we, as we sacrifice these things, particularly in fasting and in obedience, there's the reminder that God cannot be outdone in generosity. And, and this isn't just a trite um, phrase or a cliche or something like it's very true. I, everything, everything that I've given to the Lord, uh, usually with much hesitation, he just gives back in some way a hundredfold, you know? Um, 
and and I'm not trying to preach the wealth and prosperity gospel here. I I just mean that like I don't know. It's just been very true to my experience. And go ahead. And, and I think that 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 is a beautiful thing because I know that happens that way. But I also think that needs to be seen as an extraordinary thing. Mm-hmm. And 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 even even in some ways, because since I've received it similar to you, mother, even in some ways, a less of a gift than than the freedom to do without. Mm-hmm. In other words, when I sacrifice something, the ability to, to leave it sacrificed, the ability to not receive anything back, the, mm-hmm. the, the ability to, to, you know, the, the homeless person to order the last thing I would have wanted mm-hmm. and to enjoy it. Like the, that freedom to enjoy it, that freedom to do without is even a greater gift in itself than is a reward. And like you, you mentioned the prosperity gospel, the prosperity gospel, you know, I was talking, we were talking stewardship in the parish and I, and I said to Father Nathan, I said, do we agree that we're not, neither of us are gonna say, um, you know, if you give your 10%, God will reward you with with other financial generosity. Mm, mm-hmm. And both of us were like, absolutely not. We're not going to say that because that is the wealth and prosperity gospel. And God does do that sometimes. Mm-hmm. And he does. And it's a beautiful when he does it. But th- that should not be the expectation. The expectation should be, in one sense, to say the freedom to live on less, the freedom to live more simply, the, the freedom to to give from my want, like the widow in the widow's might, to be able to give that and still to be happy and joyful and be able to thrive in the spiritual life with me and my family. Um, that That's what's to be discerned because that doesn't always happen either. Some people don't wisely give, they give too much. Some people give too much to the church because they 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 think that they, you know, I, I think I can live on less where God's not asking him to do that. That's why it needs to be a discernment. So sometimes we give too much as well to charity and 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 don't don't wisely discern what we're supposed to give to our own families. Yeah, I'm really glad you made that clarification because that's actually what I intended, but I spoke ineloquently is when I say God has always given back to me a hundredfold, um, I mean, oftentimes it's in an interior sense. Uh, like, I don't mean I sacrifice this particular friendship and God gives me that same exact friendship back with um, uh, so much yeah. more or whatever. It's like often I sacrifice this particular friendship and in doing so, um, the Lord gives me great spiritual consolation in a new, renewed dependence upon him. <laughs> like, exactly. um, and so, so I guess, so, so that's what I mean, yeah. but I, I wasn't expressing that clearly. So I'm glad you clarified that. Uh, but the, the other thing, the way that I see this, I, I want to do a whole episode on just my experience of spiritual motherhood because it's been just completely, completely mind blowing to me. But one, one of this, one of the aspects of did Penelope get out? No, I'm just okay. locking the door because her head is right behind the door. So you don't want somebody, someone to open it. And exactly, they to open it right yeah. into her head. <laughs> um, so unless it's Mary, then then I'll then I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the and another way in which just God is not outdone in generosity is that when when we use the gifts that He's given us, when He when we use the strengths that He's given us, and we're aware that it's him and not us. When we're aware of the one holding the ax, um, I don't remember what the thing says, the handle, whatever. Uh, But when we're aware of that, it benefits us just as much as it's benefiting the one to whom this work is being given, if that makes sense. Like as as I'm giving spiritual direction, um, again, like I'm utterly aware of my inadequacy 
I know that I don't have the right words. And the things that I've said that my directees have responded the most positively to, like the things that they're like, whoa, that's it. Like that's this huge revelation. That's blah, blah, blah. I'm just like sitting there thinking and sometimes even saying, yeah, that thought has never crossed my mind before. Like that was (laughs) not me. (laughs) Um, And I'm like also sitting in awe of, wow, that really is very cool. Like I need to go pray with that now Um, (laughs) because Jesus said that to you, but actually he was saying it to me too. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And so it's like when, when we're open, when yeah, when we're when we're open to using the gifts that he gives us and to recognizing that he's the the one holding the axe or he's the the handler, whatever the the reference is, then um, then it benefits us as well. Like he doesn't, he never works a good thing in one. Like I don't know how to say this, but he doesn't work a good in a situation just for the one person in the situation. Like he works good for everyone through that thing. Do you know what I'm yeah, saying? I absolutely. don't, I don't know how to, I and don't because know words. I, th- I think everything God does is done in and through the body of Christ. I mm-hmm. mean, that, that, that's how we're saved. His, his, his resurrection, this one man's resurrection, the one man's sin, Adam, this is Romans five, right? The one man's sin, Adam, and the one man's sin, uh, one man's redemption, sacrifice, self-gift, resurrection, death, Jesus Christ allows us to. This is why, and I totally get it. There, there are some, there are some churches, and the Melkites have been a little more strict on this than we have, and I actually commend them for this, even though I don't like it. Um, <laughs> about about not publicly praying for anybody who wasn't in communion with the church. Mm-hmm. You know, so 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 literally, if we're if we're praying right now for, if we're praying in the divine liturgy, so in other words, in a in a public forum, if we're praying for those in Ukraine, we're only praying for those in in the body of Christ, because that that's the only place that we, in a sense, have the right to pray. Mm-hmm. Now, individually, one way of looking at it, individually, we can pray for whoever we want. You know, because it's just Jesus is a man, right? We're talking to our, we're talking to the man Jesus and to the God Jesus. We're talking to someone who can distribute His graces wherever He wants. But but where two, when two or three are gathered and and in Jesus' name, speaking in His name in the body of Christ, um, that there is a very real sense that that the orders we've been given are to pray within that body of Christ. That's mm-hmm. why intercessory prayer even works. Um, now. I don't hold fast to that. I'm not a strict interpreter of that. If someone asks for a panahita, um, in other words, a prayer for the dead, for their um, dead Jewish or Muslim mother, right? I'm, I'm going to do it and I'll, I'll even do it with them. And I may even do it after a divine liturgy or something like that. You know, I th- but I think there's a way of, I, I do want to talk to Father David Petrus um, and see if there's a traditional prayer for the deceased that's like, we're all praying this together, but we're not, it's not a traditional panahita. It's not something in the context, but it's just in, in, in our in our culture right now where, where we're so mixed, we're, we're so engaged with other people that are so many people that are outside of the church. It makes it a little bit odd, but um, but the, but it's only been given to us to pray within the body of Christ. So I, I, th- I think that, I forget what, what you said that sent me off on this, but um, the, the, what, that he does all for good for all who are Yes, involved. exactly. So so when when I when God gives me a gift, he gives 
everyone in the body of Christ a mm-hmm. gift because he gives the entire body of Christ that same gift. So that's why it's important that I use the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But when someone else receives the gift, this is why we should have no envy in, in our, in when we see God giving grace to others. That's you my know, gift like, too. Like, like, exactly. They're like, the, like the older son, right? Like uh, the gifts, the prodigal son was given by his dad were also of a benefit to the older son. He didn't see it at all. He mm-hmm. didn't, and he got envious. But um, but if we understood that and saw others receiving good things and we, we not only rejoiced for them because we loved them, but we rejoiced um, because we were also receiving maybe even things we will never perceive or understand what we received gifts as well as being within the body of Christ. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a, a good image of this is, you know, the churches in like these rural rural villages. <laughs> oh, that's a hard word. Uh, that would have, um, you know, people might accuse the church of being... Um, of like not giving their money to the poor because they have these like beautiful churches. But, but the, the fact of it is often that nobody in the village could afford to have this beauty in their home. And so they would each contribute the money in order for the church to have this one beautiful thing that none of them could have in their home so that they could all share this great gift. Um, That's, I think that's a, a very real tangible image of what you're, what you're describing. Yeah. And one time on my old podcast, Father John Nepple literally threw out a line without explaining it at all when it was he and I recording together. And he just said, he said, I'm starting to think that we are not saved individually, we're saved in community. Mm. And I, I, I think that, I don't know, I've still never asked him like what he meant by that because <laughs> I, I mean, there's a little bit of heresy there. <laughs> I mean, in, in one sense, we are saved individually, um, but I, I get it and I, I believe him. I, I think there is a way to look at salvation, namely, Union with God, theosis eternally in heaven. There's a way of looking at that as, and the scriptures certainly manifest times with the centurion, with with, with um, Zacchaeus. You know, like a whole family was saved, or or the just last Sunday, right? The the paralytic was saved through the faith of his four friends. You know, there's there's something about there's something about that communal salvation, and and we can see that very specifically when when I love your example, mother, of doing spiritual direction, where the spiritual direct door benefits from the spiritual directee and, and, and what they say. And, and that I, I've, I've seen that, expl- I even wrote that up one time and a lot of people liked it for one of our eparchial vocations um, pamphlets. But, um, you know, I, I just said, I, I, I'm, I'm taught so much by my spiritual directees. Mm. Um, and it was, it was one, one, one spiritual daughter of mine who had, who had taught me about, um, had taught me recently about how God sees us, mm. you know, and I've used it a lot since then, but you know, how, how God sees us and, and desiring to see the world through, through his eyes. Mm. So, and see ourselves through his eyes. When he said spiritual direct door, it just reminded me of when I was a dokimos, like Olivia is now, uh, and Father Travis. Sorry, one second, they want to get in, keep on talking. Father Travis, and <laughs> you're doing the thing again. Oh, at least your earbuds are on this, your earphones are still on this time. Oh, he wants to say this. I had him just called you by the Theodore. I know. Sorry, Father. It's out. Where'd it go? Hi, Allie. Nice. Hi, Budsy. Hi, Gailey. <laughs> it's, it's behind the door. We busted it. <laughs> wait, wait, let's we'll show Budsy real quick. Show, we'll look behind the door. Hey, Budsy, look behind the look behind the, the poster there. You, you want to take her out? You can take her out if you want. Come on, I said we could hold her. Yeah, take her out. Grab, grab her near the head. I have no recollection of what I was saying. Oh, when I was a dokimos, Father Travis used to call me um, a dorkimos 
Yeah. Uh, and when I did something, I feel like you were in on this for a while too. I don't remember. When I did something particularly awkward, he would call it one of my dorky most moments. Okay. Um, <laughs> even after I was dokemos. You're not going to uh, do it. Okay. I'm just Carolina, you want to take the snake? What? You want to take the snake? Allie's too afraid to. Okay. Oh, hi, Carolina. I'll take the snake. Father Michael. Mother Natalia says hi to you too, Carolina. You've got to refocus. This sorry. Is, I'm sorry. The snake's behind that poster there. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. I pictured you calling me a spiritual direct dork. That's what just happened. Oh, okay. When you said spiritual okay. direct door, I'm a spiritual direct dork. You, the look on your face made 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 it look like I wasn't um, like I was I was somehow saying something wrong. No, I know you're supposed to hold it. Snakes are fun. Yeah, she's not a fan of being picked up. She'll get better though. Oh, she's wrapping herself around the chair. <laughs> if if it's a if it's a lost cause, don't worry about it. But Father Michael, this I'll, I'll, is so I'll bring uninteresting out to the listeners. You gotta. It's fine. <laughs> it's not going to kill us. I'm, gonna I'm kill sorry, you. listeners. Budsy's like, it's going to kill us. <laughs> um, so yeah. I, anyway, I'm I'm done. I we can we can move on. I I did want to talk a little about stewardship, and then well, let let me just tell one thing. Okay. Um, the we I mentioned um, Bishop Kerpernet. You shut the door. Um, you want to come in? Okay. Um, yes. Um, I mentioned Bishop Kerpernet, um, the the brave. Oh, second daughter. Uh, Savannah, she's on the floor. She's right there on the floor. Um, the brave second daughter came in. <laughs> See if she can get it. Um, Bishop Kerpernet said to me, <laughs> Bishop Kerpernet said to me one time, um, he had been assigned to a, a parish that was, that was, um, it was struggling. And I, I think he, I think he had some sense of, <laughs> Allie's trying to drag all the kids. Out. So distracting. <laughs> um, well, just close your eyes. Okay. You don't need to. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Allie says bye. Um, um, so a parish the, that was struggling. A parish that was struggling. He was assigned there, and he really and he was a very like had a lot of influence in the eparchy. And he says, and and he kind of hinted the fact that there were. I was kind of tempted at times to say, you know, I. I'd like to be moved. You know, there, there's other, there's mm-hmm. other parishes that are, that I think could use my skill set, and other parishes where I think I would be more better utilized and where I could be more effective. Um, and then he says, but I didn't. I, our Lord was very explicit with me and just said, just be content, just be content. If, if, if the bishop wants to move you, he'll move you. Um, not necessarily if God wants to, because God uses humans to say these things out loud, and sometimes we disobey. Um, and and now he's a bishop. Now, not that he would want to be a bishop. <laughs> no one really wants to be a bishop. They know what it is. But but it, it, it's an honor to be a bishop. It should be an honor to be a bishop, to be named a bishop, because it means that that the church and the church has spoken that it needs your leadership. You know, um, and even though it's hard, but but he was. It was more of a more of a. Well, I don't need to say anything. I'm literally just gonna gonna pause and listen and and let this let the church work in the way. She is going to in her discern what's best, not me. Which you just broached a whole other topic that we could go into and now don't have time to get into, but about how um, the blessings of not using our gifts when the Lord, through those to whom we're in obedience, does not ask us to use those particular Mm -hmm. gifts. Um, because that's a whole other death to self and that's a whole other, yeah. you know, but that's a, like I, I was talking with a discerner recently and we were talking about her um, gifts and and the fact that um, maybe being in a monastery um, 
like to some people it could seem like her gifts aren't being used um and i was like well maybe you should consider the lord isn't asking you to use the particular gifts he's given you in the particular way that the the world thinks they should be used yeah um yeah. so that's just a whole other topic but yeah or or even to say you know, oh, this this monastery that I'm discerning, like I, 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 everything seems fine except that they won't let me do this thing. Exactly. You know. Yeah. I, I, and then, then you say, well, you know, if everything, if you're discerning positive everything else, maybe you're not supposed to do that thing. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's it's such a and the the Eastern Fathers and the Desert Fathers are so explicit that we're not the ones to make these decisions. It's really right. the opposite of what the world does. And and again, in the world, this is one of the the troubling things about why, in a sense, celibacy is a higher vocation, and where really and and where not only celibacy but but monastic life is a higher vocation because in the world we are called to discern these things, and we are called to discern where are my gifts going to be used best and to act upon that and then to have to discern and decide, does this mean that I switch jobs? I mean, I know switch jobs. Does this mean I use this in the family or not? Like there, there's a lot more wisdom there. And again, God gives the wisdom where he will and it's an honor to have that wisdom. So it's an honor to be in the world in that way. But, um, but there's also so much beauty of, of the extreme humility that is a step in holiness mm-hmm. that comes from that type of obedience and that type of setting ourselves aside. Yeah. And that's the humility that then Father Kurt had. Exactly. Now Bishop Kurt. So. Yeah. Yep. And it. Uh, and anyway, yeah. Sorry, there, you wanted something to say something about stewardship too. Oh, I'll get it later. That that's okay. a. I, I'll I'll I really want, and I kind of hinted at it already, but just the the fact that we when we discern our time, treasure, and talent, when we discern what we're going to do for the parish, you know. Um, I think I, someone told me once that every single person on their way up the stewardship ladder, in other words, like, like what I do, what I volunteer for at the parish, um, should start by cleaning bathrooms. Mm-hmm. Like everybody starts there, every single person, including the priest. Mm-hmm. You know, you start there, and then once you've done that for a while, then you, the, you, you, you're the the priest and the deacon and the, the advisory council and all the people they discern like where do we need their gifts but everybody should start in a sense some people like cleaning bathrooms I'm not ripping on them at all but like like that that's just kind of that that's one of the things where that most people don't want to do so so you put you put people there and then um the parish when you discern like how what am I going to do how am I going to do it? It, it we're absolutely looking at what gifts God has given me as discerned by me and discerned by the church and then I, I accept those roles, um, and and it's it's it is so hard to be only act upon again to have that discernment. Only act upon um, the things that have been explicit gifts from God, mm-hmm. and that is not only an individual discernment. You know, if, if we're saved in communion with each other, and if we intercede and we benefit in communion with each other, we need to have all these things. And sometimes we're going to be disappointed, and even sometimes our leaders are going to be wrong. Mm-hmm. You know. I'm not. I'm sure there's been many times where bishops moved a guy to the wrong parish. I'm sure there's been many times where bishops made the wrong decisions. And many times a pastor made the wrong decisions. The spiritual directors made the wrong decisions. Um, but that is that is all within the the humble paradox of the way that Christ leads His body to heaven. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, prayer intentions. I. I'm going to ask you to pray for a family member of mine who's going through some uh, physical health issues. Um, I don't know how, how much they want it going around. I'm guessing they don't mind at all, but I, I just want to make sure. Pray for a family member of mine who's going through some physical health issues. Um, 
what else were we talking about beforehand? Oh, also pray for for both my parish and my outreach here in Southern California. Um, that's one of the reasons why I'm so stressed out is that God is working so quickly in both of those and I'm just trying to keep up. Hmm. And whenever we are trying to keep up with what God is doing, our, our weaknesses and our, our insecurities and our ineptitude just kind of shows so much more. Um, but it also means that we're, we're hopefully God is making us humble enough to actually be effective. So mm-hmm. I think that's going on right now and I'm not, I'm kind of put, throwing a tantrum um, and not doing that. And our Posca beer exploded all over the gift shop. So oh. our, our carboys were too full. And so anyway, I don't know if we could even save it. Um, that is still to be determined. That's so sad. Um, yeah. So, uh, but anyway, so it was like after, after everything yesterday and then I was like, I want to go to bed. Aww. Oh, I should check on the beer and walked in there <laughs> and yep. Okay. There we are. Well, um, so anyway, so this, if you'll pray for, pray for my humility that I'm humble enough to, to keep all these things in check and in, in, in an orderly way and, and make sure I'm, that the I'm really glad you said pray for my humility because I definitely thought you were going to say, pray that my beer is okay. <laughs> and I was okay. like, all right. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> Why not? Let's lay aside all earthly cares. Uh, great. Um, can I get my prayer intention? Are you done? Yes. Okay. It's actually a really good tie-in to just what you're talking about, about stewardship and discerning time, treasure, and talents. Um, because it's it's shout-out and also prayer intention. Shout-out to um, all of you who are supporting our nonprofit, Fotina. Um, I just wanted to share that uh, just today I was able to help... Um, with uh, someone that um, someone that I know is the oldest of more than ten kids, and her um, and her father both lost their jobs within a couple days of each other, um, and both very much obviously support the family. Um, and so, I uh, was able to to take them grocery shopping and get some groceries uh, for for the family. And that's because of our donors, because of our patrons and, and such. Um, so if you're interested in, in that ministry, you can check out our website, fotina.org. Um, but also, um, and there's a link to our Patreon on there as well. And then some people also send, um, send checks for Fotina um, or cash to the monastery. And, um, but anyways, it's just a, it was a beautiful use of the money for for me, and I wanted to share that with all of you. And then my prayer intention then is, is I'd ask you to pray for that family um, because they also have a, a couple other things going on just in their personal lives that I can't share, but um, it's just a really, really rough time for them. And um, it's a little bit of a Job experience. <laughs> mm. So um, so please pray for them. I'll, I'll keep their name anonymous. And they did give me permission to share the bit that I did. So um, yeah. Amen. We'll make sure we pray for that. Thank you all for allowing us to do prayer intentions, and we we trust that most of you are are actually doing it. So, and it's it's such a we we ask you all to pray as Christians all the time, but we don't oftentimes do it. So, um, I like Mother's suggestion that why we actually bring it into the blessing at the end too to make sure that the prayer is actually happening at least on on one end. So, thank you for all those of, those of you who do pray. I'd encourage you those who haven't yet to actually do that for these intentions. Um, all right, uh, so we are on Facebook, we are on Instagram, I'm on Twitter at Padre Michael O. We are on Goodreads, uh, where our media team uh, discusses what everybody's reading, and it's 
probably one of the most grace-filled media platforms that we have. Um, also, we our audio is on YouTube. We have our Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, look up what God is not, to support our nonprofit, Fotina.org, financially. Um, and uh, and then you can read all about what we do and, and the various uh, levels of giving and what that means for little rewards. We had a great uh, first quarterly meeting with our with one of our levels where we we just kind of chatted um, over a Zoom call with all of us, and it was actually a lot of fun. So thank you. It to was those so who, fun. I was really really you. nervous, and it was super fun. <laughs> Um, it was, it was so it hard was, though because I wanted to talk to all of them like individually for a very long time. It was yeah. that was hard. No, this this is this is one of the limitations of of ministry um, you're seeing right now is that you you want to you want to be friends with and spend all the time with every single person in <laughs> your do. parish as a pastor and you can't. You do your best and then and then you do what you can and the Lord fixes the rest. Um, and I think that's everything. Also, Thank you. website. Oh, oh, also, what God is not. What God is not. Dot com. Um, dot com. And then uh, also, uh, please uh, do give us a good review or a review, be honest, <laughs> on, um, on the platforms, but especially Apple Podcasts. I know. I say only be honest if it's a good review. <laughs> the, the, the algorithm is we, we are able to evangelize more to get out what we're doing here if more people um, give reviews and stuff they somehow promote us I don't know how exactly that works but it, it does work I know. all right that's enough of a spiel father can you give us a blessing may Lord bless you and keep you cause his face to shine upon you have mercy on you may our Lord give you everything good you need may he allow you to call to mind and to desire to love and protect and be his hands and his voice in a sense his acts in the world um, to do good to those who who need it to uh, step aside and know that he is the director and he is the the master the creator and that we may be earthen vessels in letting his light shine um, may our lord bless all those who are suffering physically and mentally and spiritually financially um, and those who are suffering because of their own pride um, and getting in the way of what the Holy Spirit's doing. May our Lord continue to show them their own sin and allow them to participate in that healing that he does primarily. May the Lord give you everything you need, um, especially in this great season of the great fast and Pascha, where we open ourselves up to the immense graces that come from the great mystery of our God. May the Lord bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.